Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Thank you, John, and welcome to Good News. This is Deacon Al, and we come to you every weekend here on Catholic Spirit Radio. I want to apologize. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. You've heard some uh, some recasts of our previous programs. That's because I got I got struck by the plague, non COVID, thank goodness, but the plague nonetheless. Just a really bad uh, sinus virus that uh, you can still hear. I'm a little hoarse. Actually, I think this is a better radio voice than when I'm healthy. So <laughs> I might want to try and keep this one. Uh, but I was I was laid up for a couple of weeks. I mean, I could do any ministries at all. I was. I was in the house and absolutely miserable. Uh, when I had a voice, it was it was very frog-like, and uh, so glad to be up and about again and and back with you here on Good News. I want to start by reminding you that we are in Lent. We're starting our third week of Lent, and I want to make sure you're having a good one. And I think this is something that that's worth reviewing throughout the Lenten season, because we tend to start very strong. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm, here's how I'm going to pray. Here's what I'm, how I'm going to fast. Here's the alms that I'm going to do. And we start off really, really strong. Uh, but we lose that enthusiasm uh, very quickly, uh, it, so often. And, and I think oftentimes we, we don't go deep enough for, for Lent. And we're called uh, just as, as Jesus uh, explained to Simon to go deeper. When he went out on the boat and Simon, had, Simon Peter had been fishing the whole night and caught nothing. And the next morning he's, he's sitting next to the water uh, repairing his nets and here's Jesus with thousands of people crowding around him uh, to, to hear his sermons. And he turns to Simon and he says, put me in your boat, take me offshore a little bit so that I can talk to these people without being crushed in by them. And uh, Peter's not real happy about that. He's pretty tired, but uh, he sees the need, and he agrees to let uh, Jesus come on board. And they they put out just a little bit into the water just to allow Jesus some room to be able to preach from. But what it also did was it it required Peter to sit there next to Jesus and listen to his word and and pay attention. Then when they were done, Jesus said, you know, as long as we're here, Peter, let's go fishing. And Peter said, I really don't want to. I had a bad night, caught nothing. And this is this is his livelihood. When a fisherman goes out in the evening, doesn't catch anything. I mean, that affects his 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 income, his family, his ability to provide. So he's not in a very good mood. And Jesus says, you need to go deeper. So Peter agrees to, uh, to, to follow uh, Jesus' uh, instructions. And he puts out further into the sea and he drops the net down, and you have to realize that fishing uh, in those days, they basically had two types. You either, you either fished during the day when it was really hot and the fish were really deep, and that was really a tough way to fish, or you fished at night when it was cooler and the fish were up closer to the surface, and they were they were easier to, to catch. So this isn't pole fishing. This is using nets. So in the evenings when the fish are up high, they're able to toss a net off the boat that they can then drag the bottom of the net back toward the boat and just scoop fish. It was a much easier way to fish. Uh, 
and it, it less time consuming and and very effective. And that's why they fished in the evening and they they worked on their boats and their nets uh, during the day, in in the heat of the day. But now Peter's out there with with uh, Christ during the daytime, and the fish are down deep. So now you use a different net. So now they have a like a circular net that's weighted on the edges, a, a, a casting net. I think that's it, called a seine. And they would throw that off the side of the boat. It would make a big circle on the water. You can actually go on YouTube and see to this day people um, in the Middle East fishing this way. And the net sinks. And as it sinks, it traps whatever fish are underneath it uh, down to the, to the floor of, of the water, of the ocean, uh, the, the sea, not quite the ocean. And, uh, and then the fisherman has to dive off the boat, swim down to the bottom, gather the net, tie a line across, around it, and then they hoist the net filled with fish back into the boat. It's much harder to do, uh, a lot more work. But Peter follows Jesus' uh, orders, goes deeper, and catches this netful boatload of fish. And he's astounded by this. And he realizes from what's happened uh, the power of God. And he realizes who's in the boat with him. And it goes from calling him rabbi at the very beginning of the story to, to calling him Lord at the end and, and bowing before him. So what we see happen in this short period of, of, of fishing, Peter listens to the word of, words of Christ, and then he follows the instructions of Christ. And in doing so, not only does he reap this abundance of, of grace, but he's entered a different relationship with Christ. That's what Lent calls us to, is a different relationship. We should come out of these 40 days of Lent in a different relationship with Jesus than when we entered. Through prayer, through fasting, through almsgiving, we grow closer to Christ. More importantly, we become more like Christ in, in our interior formation. And I too often I see, uh, as, as I talk to my, my friends and, and, and parishioners, often when we talk about Lent, well, what did you give up for Lent? I gave up chocolate. Okay. Okay, so for how long? Well, for 40 days, and then they're going to go right back to their chocolate. You know, well, I gave, up, I gave up Facebook. All right, okay. And then for how long? Well, for 40 days, because I can't go longer than that. So we're not really changing. We're pausing. We're saying, here's some things that I could, I could probably do without, but I really enjoy, but I'm willing to pause for God. And God's not asking us to pause He's asking us to transform. You know, the, the things we fast from, the things we give up, our sacrifices from Lent, should, should change us. They should be fairly significant. They sh- we shouldn't look at them as temporary. We, we need to really take a look at our lives and say, what's in my life that really isn't Christ-like that I could do without and make room for something more Christ-like? That's the whole idea of Lent. That's why we fast. It's a, it's a time of purification, not a time of temporary inconvenience. I, I think we look at Lent all wrong. Uh, some, some, uh, some go into Lent every year with, with a deep commitment. And they do that because they understand what's waiting at the other end. They understand the rewards of that commitment, that they come out a, 
a changed person, a person more Christ-like. And that's the beauty of our faith. And I bring that up because uh, this Lent is, is a particularly uh, tough Lent. We have, we have a lot going on in the world uh, that's affecting thousands, even millions of lives in a very, very dramatic way. And reflecting back on that from a, from a purely theological view and putting aside the political views— uh, that that we that we tend to bias our actions with. Uh, this is a time where the world needs to enter Lent. We're 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 in a time where we need we need real transformation of of the human spirit. Um, and of course, we're, ta- we're talking about what's what's going on in the Ukraine because uh, this is affecting all of us. If if not if not personally through uh, your heritage, or you know where your family is, uh, just from a human standpoint, the tragedy of the lives being lost on both sides, not just in the Ukraine, but there are Russian lives uh, being lost as well. The the senselessness of all of this is is astounding, and we need to change, and we need to pray for change. The uh, we're not going to get much into into Sunday's readings in in this episode of Good News because I don't think that we can just focus in on our own Sunday Mass and and that particular gospel reading. We need to look at the gospel as as a whole right now. Um, we need to take in the good news of Christ uh, in in its entirety and how that affects us in in our lives. And and certainly, I think the Ukraine brings this to the to the forefront. When we talk about Lent and and the pillars of Lent, the the, the prayer, the fasting, the almsgiving, we choose those three things. Just not they're not not random choices of the church. They're very specific. If you look, everybody knows the story of Jesus entering the desert for forty days in preparation of his public ministry. And towards the end of the 40 days, it says at the end when he's hungry and weak, that's when the devil comes to tempt him. And that's when the devil comes to us in our lives as well. It doesn't come when we're strong in faith. It doesn't come when we're, when we're healthy. He doesn't come when we're healthy. Uh, the devil strikes us when we're weak and when we're hungry, when we're starving. And I think the world is starving right now. We're, we're starving for... Christ's peace. We're starving for love of neighbor. And the prayer, fasting, and almsgiving is directly related to the three temptations that Satan throws before Christ in in the desert at at the point of his weakness. So so what does he hit him with? He, he, He attempts to sway Christ using pleasure. You're probably hungry. Let's make some bread. You're God. Turn these, turn these stones in, in, into bread and, and feed yourself. Uh, he's offering him pleasure, personal pleasure. How often do we uh, forget God's teachings, wander from God's love out of seeking personal pleasure for ourselves? That's a big part of temptation, plays on that concupiscence, that, that built-in 
uh, seeking of pleasure that, that we have in our human brokenness. What's the other thing he tries to do? He goes after uh, possessions. You want possessions? Tell you what, you worship me and I'll give you all these kingdoms. Take a look at all these riches. I'll give, I'll give this to you. I'll give you stuff if you turn away from God and turn towards me. And then the third one is uh, he, he talks about power. You're God. Throw yourself off this cliff. The angels will save you. Your father told you he would. You know, use your power. Use your authority here. Show them who you are. Okay, so don't we see that in our own lives? We see so much uh, evil being done in the world because of a lust for power, a lust for possessions, a lust for personal pleasure. I, I look at, at the Ukraine and I see at least two of those things happening. You know, power and possessions. There's, there's no good reason for, uh, for Russia to be uh, invading this, this independent country that took no military actions against against Russia. Uh, this is just this is a, a play for power and, and possessions. And what saddens me most about this is the reaction that I've heard from so many of my brother and sister uh, Christians. And that is uh, they have a simple solution. What would solve this problem? Well, somebody has to kill Putin. Somebody should shoot him. You know, his general should kill him. And I'm astounded by that attitude. I really am. It saddens me so much that we would, we would turn to that. God tells us in the commandments not to murder. And then the first solution we can think of is let's, let's, have, let's have somebody else, not I'm going to do it, not I'm going to take responsibility for this, but you know what should happen? You should kill him. Somebody else should commit this sin, not me. And that would end this. And anyone who thinks merely taking one person out of the world will solve the problems that have caused what's going on in the Ukraine, that's, that's just not rational. Because it's not Putin who's causing this. It's, it's Putin's sin. It's, it's it, these sinful choices, these desires for power and possession. And removing Putin from the world isn't going to remove sin from the world. It's our brokenness that is the problem. Um, Russia's not the only place where there's violence. We have violence in our streets in, in most of our major cities right now. Putin's not causing that. Uh, sin is causing that. This, this desire for stuff or for authority, that's what's causing this problem. What we should be doing is saying, you know what we need? We need to pray. We need to grow closer to God. We need to make this Lent a serious, transforming Lent. We need to renew this, this human relationship with a loving God. Putin isn't going to be fixed by a bullet. He's going to be fixed by grace. We need to pray for these people, not only for Putin, that he has a change of heart and, and, and be inspired by, by Christ's love for, for him as a child of God, because he is, we all are. 
we've got to be more, we all have to be more Christ-like, and we have to pray that that Putin and the people who listen to him, because he's got other people that he gives an order, and they're going, yeah, sure, let's do that. I'm, I'm with you. So it's not Putin alone. It's it's everybody who supports the, the, his actions that that need to come to Christ. And they're not going to turn to Christ on their own. That takes our help. That's that's so much of Jesus's message was that we have to love our neighbor. We and, can use including our enemies, Lent and, and, and forgiving our enemies. I, I think that's probably the toughest part as our of way being Christian. Of How do you do that? helping the situation uh, in the Ukraine and in other parts of the world where violence has, has taken over. Needless violence uh, especially has, has taken over. It's fine to defend yourself. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't criticize the Ukrainians in any way for defending their homes. Uh, that, that's a human right to, 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 to defense. It's so unfortunate that Russia has made the political choices that they've made because even uh, from what the reports I've read, a number of the Russians don't even want to be there. I mean, the Russian people don't want to be in this war. Even many of the Russian soldiers don't want to be in this war. I saw a great video. Uh, Some of you may have seen it. Four armed Russian soldiers uh, enter uh, an elderly couple's I don't want to really say estate. It wasn't an estate. It was a home. They had a a simple fence around the home. And these four well-armed Russian soldiers come up and they open the gate and they begin to approach the house. And out of the house come this sweet little old lady and her her husband. I would say from the looks of the video, they're probably both in their late 70s, 80s, maybe a little older. And they approach the the, the Russian soldiers and scold them for what they're doing and tell them to get out of my yard. And they did. They turned, they turned and left. And one soldier goes back and slowly closes the gate that they had opened. I just thought that was beautiful. And I think that shows that you don't have to respond to violence with more violence. Um, I, I think what they responded to them was with just simple moral values that, you know, think about what you're doing here. This is wrong. And you should be ashamed for what you're doing. And to see these soldiers just kind of hang their heads and turn around and leave, I I thought that was incredibly uh, brave of this couple. But it shows it shows trust. Uh, they They didn't face this with any fear. And I think that's that's another thing we we need to talk about is is fear. So many times throughout the New Testament, uh, Jesus comes to us and says, "Do not be afraid." And I think this is one of those times in our lives where we say, "Do not be afraid." I think it, it's hard, especially for young people, to look at the events of of the news today and and not be fearful about what what's tomorrow going to bring. And what about the rest of my life and uh, the the goals that I had and the things I wanted to accomplish uh, could all be for naught just because of uh, somebody's desire for power and possession halfway around the world. But 
we really need to put fear aside and and put trust in 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 God. And I I can think back to my own experience when when I was a teen and a preteen, we were still in uh, the original Cold War with Russia. John probably, John, do you remember ducking under your desk? No. So we had fire drills, right? Most schools still have fire drills. The fire alarm goes off and you all very quietly, okay, we're going to, it's a fire drill. We know it's not a real fire. We're going to line up. We're going to march outside and gather out in the yard. Okay. So then after that, they started with tornado drills. Now in tornado drills, you would get up and you'd go out of the room and you'd go out into an inner hallway where there was no glass and you had some good structure to protect you, and you would kneel down and face the wall. That all kind of made sense. Still does. I mean, you, we still get those same kind of instructions for if you have a fire at your house and the smoke alarms go off, get out of the house, go outside, have a meeting place. That makes sense. Tornado, go down in the basement or go into an inner bathroom somewhere where there's no windows, where you have some good solid structure, crouch down. Still, still good information. But starting when I was in about, I would guess, fourth grade and all through high school, we had air raid drills. We had nuclear attack drills. We even had posters on the wall telling us what to do with the big mushroom cloud. Now, how would you like to grow up with that, you know, as a 10, 11-year-old, see mushroom cloud posters saying, in case of a nuclear attack, so you know what we were to do? You've seen the results of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We were to get under our desks and cover our heads. Now, I don't know how good they make desks in those days, but I'm pretty sure they were not nuclear bomb-proof. Even as a kid, I thought, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I've seen the films of Nagasaki. They're not going to say, wow, the whole city was flattened. Luckily, the kids ducked under their desks and were all saved. Um, one of the most useless things, but they, they did that for one very specific reason, to alleviate fear, to give us some sense of control over what's going to happen. Well, we realize now uh, that we've grown up and that we've all grown up in an atomic age. We realize how, how silly that is that that doesn't give us any any real control. But prayer does. We have, we have some real control in that we have a loving God who didn't create this world only to see us destroy it. Um, if we continue on this path of aggression uh, between each other, if we, if we can't learn to work our problems out without violence, if we can't figure out a way to uh, overcome this desire for power and this desire for fame and the desire for wealth and the desire for possessions. Uh, We're going to go down this path over and over and over again. So it's not just about uh, asking God to change other people. Our prayers have to be about asking God to change each one of us. It all starts with each one of us. Uh, if, if the people around Putin, when he gave this order to attack, had just said, you know what? It's not the right thing to do. We don't need 
the Ukraine. We don't need that part of the of the of the the world. We don't need to hurt these people. If they had just had the the individual moral strength to be able to say this is right or this is wrong, we wouldn't be putting ourselves in this position over and over and over again. And the time to change, the time to make this transformation is when you're young. The younger you are, the less the less bad habits we have, the easier it is to change. And as I say, the young people I've met are extremely bright. Certainly, this must make sense to people that what we're seeing happening in our cities can't continue uh, just for, for our own good uh, as a society. The things that we see happening uh, in Russia and, and the Ukraine, uh, unless they just stop through through personal acceptance of Christ, it's just going to not only continue, it's going to magnify. And we control this, and we control this through our prayers, through our, our fasting from the desire for all these additional goods, all this additional power, that's what we need to be fasting of. Forget about putting aside uh, chocolate. Let's, let's put aside things like anger and aggression and hatred. And if you want, you want to do real alms, you want to give something to the needy that they really need, let's give them some forgiveness. Let's, let's look into our hearts and say, I understand you made a mistake, but join me in Christ's love and, and we can put this beside, behind us and we can move on as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Make this, make this a, a deep, meaningful Lent. Let's make a difference in the world by our personal commitment to prayer and fasting and almsgiving. Let's, let's grow closer to Christ. Let's transform and, and change ourselves. And by changing ourselves, change the world to be more Christ-like. And please, let's pray for uh, the people uh, trapped in this conflict in the Ukraine on both sides of the conflict, uh, because there are Russian families who, who mourn their dead just as much as uh, the Ukrainian families do. Uh, come, come Friday... At, at 515 uh, at Holy Trinity Church, and actually not necessarily at 515, but Friday throughout the, the world, uh, the Pope has asked us to pray a rosary for peace in the Ukraine. And so I will invite everyone who's listening to join me uh, Friday at Holy Trinity. We're going to do the Stations of the Cross beginning at 515, uh, followed by a rosary uh, dedicated to peace in the Ukraine. Uh, it's going to take Christ uh, to end this, and it's going to take Christ in us to end this. So please join me in prayer uh, Friday, whether you can be there in person or uh, from your home, from your car, from your work. Let's all say a, a rosary seeking peace in the Ukraine. And I wish you uh, peace in your life. And may God bless you, protect you from all evil and bring you to everlasting life with Him. Amen. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. 
Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.